are the two most important things for the Christian. And indeed, you cannot separate the two. But I have a feeling that most of us don't approach our days that way. That is, we often think, I'm too busy today to take time to pray. Or, I'm too tired, too depressed, too beat up, too worn down, too exhausted to pray. Now, obviously, and we'll get this out of the way up front, I'm not saying that you must pray three hours a day. However, I think Luther gives us a godly example of how we should treasure prayer. Especially when we think we're too busy, too worn out, too exhausted, or whatever it may be. There is nothing more basic to the Christian life than prayer. For prayer is the very voice of faith. It is the primary good work of the Christian life. It is an act of love both toward God and toward the neighbor. So this morning we're considering what the Bible says about prayer. And Lord willing, be encouraged to take advantage of this great gift that God has given to us. Let's begin, though, with why do we struggle in praying? Luther, in one of my favorite quotes by him, says, What a great pity that the prayer of such a master is prattled and shattered so irreverently all over the world. How many pray the Lord's Prayer several thousand times in the course of a year? If they were to keep on doing so for a thousand years, they would not have tasted nor prayed one iota, one dot of it. In a word, the Lord's Prayer is the greatest martyr on earth. How's are the name and word of God? Everybody tortures and abuses it. Few take comfort and joy in its proper use. Now, of course, Luther isn't saying don't pray the Lord's Prayer. What he is saying is, so often we pray the Lord's Prayer, or any kind of prayer, that we do so mindlessly, and so inattentively, we're not really praying. We're just going through the motions. We're just babbling a bunch of words, and our minds and our hearts are far from it. We don't even know what we're saying or why we're saying it. And this can happen at church and at home. It's not either or. So ask yourself, when you try to pray, is it easy? Do you find it's one of the easiest things in the world? Do you find yourself being distracted, not thinking about what you are praying? I think for most of us, this struggle is all too common. Which makes sense, right? The devil doesn't want you to pray, and your sinful flesh doesn't want to pray. So it's not like you're going into this with a clean slate. You have enemies opposing you at every turn. Think about how often you pray. Do you pray as much as you think you should? Do you pray as much as you would like to pray? Do you see prayer as a necessary part of every day? I think the truth is, for most of us, if not all of us, we don't pray as we ought to. And then we make excuses. I'm too busy, it's too hard, I'm too tired. Or perhaps you're even discouraged and just think, well, what's the point? It's not going to change anything anyway. Why do it? You get distracted and frustrated and give up far too easily. You often ignore God's commands concerning prayer. I mean, it honestly takes courage and humility to pour out your heart before God. The fact is often your fear and your pride get in the way of that. So too you struggle to trust His promises concerning prayer. So that behind our lack of prayer is often, quite frankly, unbelief. So James says, But let him ask in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the winds. 
For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and stable in all his ways. So the first thing we must do in regard to prayer is we must repent. Repent of treating this command and gift as anything other than the great treasure as it is. Repent of your lack of prayer and your lack of desire for prayer. You must repent of your lack of faith in God and his promises when it comes to prayer. We have to start there. We have to acknowledge that we're pretty terrible at this. And that we need forgiveness and we need God's grace to do better. Now let's consider all the things the Bible gives us in concerns to assurance that Christ actually hears our prayers. That in Jesus' name our prayers are always heard. The first thing is, which we've already mentioned, is that God commands us to pray. I mean, it would be really, if you think about it, It'd be the height of all arrogance to go to God in prayer and it commanded you to. The thing that God would want to hear from us. And yet God indeed does command us to pray. So that servants of God can and should confidently ask for everything they need from their heavenly king. Or as it says in the small catechism, we should, as dear children of the heavenly father, go to him as our dear father, asking him for whatever we need. But not only has he commanded us to pray, but he's promised to hear us. So first, considering the unfailing truthfulness of God, that is, God is not a liar. He promises to hear you and to listen intently when you pray. It's quite an astonishing thing. That the God of the universe, the God who runs all things, promises to listen and hear when you pray. In fact, Christ swears it with the double oath, Amen, Amen. Or as it's translated in our text, most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So elsewhere Jesus will say, So I say to you, ask and will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and who knocks will be opened. Still yet another promise out of many we could have chosen. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked from him. He cannot deny himself or his words. So meditate on these verses and know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you to pray to him, and he promises indeed to hear you. And not only to hear it, but because of Christ, to hear it favorably. But if you still doubt, consider some other things from God's holy words. Consider his omnipotent kindness. It's a weird phrase, but it's great. It's from Gerhard. It's all-powerful kindness. God not only wants to do things for you, but he actually can. And he does do it out of his kindness. I mean, consider, he's already given you everything. Your body and soul and all that you have. He's given you even his very son. So, of course, of course he's going to provide for you your lesser needs. His goodness is boundless and infinite. He will give you what you need, when you need it, and he is actually able to do that. You're not praying to someone who can't accomplish what he's promised. You're praying to the very one who can do all things according to his good and perfect will. Also consider the testimony of the Holy Spirit. That assures you that God is favorable to you and hears your prayers. Paul says in Romans, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Think about it. God works in you by His Spirit, even when you don't know what to pray, even when you're not sure what to pray, as you groan and wail and weep before God. Consider that it's the Holy Spirit working those in you, that surely God is actually going to hear what the Spirit's working in you. Otherwise, you'd be despising His own work. If God sends the Holy Spirit into you to work these things in you, to have you pray in this way, to translate what you don't even know what you're saying, before the throne of God, of course he's going to hear it. You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to compel him to do what you want. But you can trust that God will do what he's already promised to do out of his great love for you. What he promises he must keep. The very divine honor of his name demands it. He cannot become a liar. He will do all that he's promised. So nothing is impossible for him. So the Bible says that he is able to do far beyond anything you could possibly think or ask. You haven't even asked yet from God what he's capable of doing. Consider that. But even with God's command and promise, and all these different promises we've looked at, you may start to play around with worthiness and sinfulness and wonder, does God really hear my prayer? So there's another key part that we have to talk about that's the most important. The merit to intercession of Christ, what Christ has done on our behalf. This is key. Think about this for a moment. It says in the Bible that God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. It's kind of a sobering thought. But you're a sinner. And you know that each and every day you sin. Your heart, you know, is full of ungodly desires. The Bible says the holy, that the saints will be heard, but not the sinner. So what do you do? Well, clearly you cannot and you dare not rely on your own righteousness when you go to God in prayer. But you must rely on Christ, His righteousness, what He's done for you, and on His intercession for you before the Father. In fact, that's really what it means to pray in His name. To come before God not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. To come before God in light of what Christ has earned for you through His life, death, and resurrection. To come before God with the very name and righteousness put on you in your baptism. So that's why Jesus says in our gospel reading, In that day you will ask me nothing, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. In that day you will ask in my name. And do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you love me, and I believe that I came forth from God. Now let's be clear, Christ obviously isn't saying that he's not going to intercede for you anymore. He is saying that the Father doesn't only listen to him, but because of what he's done for you, the Father listens to you as well. As we live our lives, as we're anxious about what's going on in our lives and in the world, and as sometimes we wonder what God is doing, we have the gift and comfort of prayer. We can actually go to the Father in Jesus' name. So that when we're at a loss and we don't know what the future holds, we can go to the Father in prayer. In fact, what does Jesus end the passage with? Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's the one to whom we go in prayer. So don't be dejected by your sinfulness. 
Know that faith in Christ as you receive his righteousness that makes you dear and precious in God's eyes. So that Jesus promises whatever you ask in the name of Christ will indeed be given to you. And there should not be, and there cannot be, if you think about it, any greater comfort to go to God in prayer than that. He will hear you on behalf of his Son. And when Jesus says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, right, the in my name is the key part there. Especially as you look at what the Bible says about prayer, whatever you ask in his name, especially as it concerns what's good for you and your salvation and salvation of others, that is God's number one priority. So sometimes you ask God and you think, I really need this, Lord. And the Lord says, no, you don't. You need this. Sometimes you say, I really need this, Lord. He says, you do, but it's not time yet. Sometimes you say, I really need this, Lord. He says, yes, yes, you do. And he gives it to you fairly quickly. But God knows what's best and when to give it to you at the good and proper time. He gives you whatever is good for you. So if you ask not knowing what's best, God hears your prayer and does according to what is best, not according to what you think is best. You can be confident that just as he wouldn't refuse to hear Jesus, that because you are in Jesus Christ, that he will not refuse to hear you either. And so in Hebrews 4 we hear, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our perfection. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can go boldly to the throne of grace, and we promise that you will receive mercy and grace in your time of needs. There's another component of this that we haven't mentioned that's important, though. And that's whenever you pray, you're not alone before God. The church prays. Christ, through his death and resurrection, has made the church. And so when we pray, think about it. When you pray as an individual Christian, you pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. That bothers me. We don't say, my Father, which would also be true, but why does Jesus have us pray this way? It's teaching us that we're always praying with all the saints. That when the Holy Christian Church prays unceasingly, that means even if for some reason you're not praying, when you're weighed down and don't feel like you can pray, or you're struggling to pray, that the Church of Christ is indeed praying for you. It's quite an astonishing thing. One prays for all, and all for one. Now the fact is, and we saw this last week in worship, that prayer is part of our spiritual warfare. The Bible says you're constantly engaged in the spiritual warfare. You cannot escape it. Ephesians 6 tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And then Paul goes through and describes the armor of God, which essentially is the gifts given to you and through his word and sacraments. But then at the end of that, he says something that maybe seems out of place, but is quite important. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is a vital part of the daily spiritual warfare you're engaged in. Prayer is one of the ways that you fight the devil. It's one of the ways that you fight for those entrusted to your care. It's one of the ways a pastor fights for his congregation. It's one of the ways parents fight for their children. Their spouse for their Spouse. It's one of the ways grandparents fight for their grandchildren. 
is that we pray for them. So that Walter can say, prayer is a first-rate weapon in the battle against the flesh, the world, and Satan. And that's true both for ourselves and for those God has given into our care. And yes, even with all that we've said about prayer, we're going to go out from here, and our sinful flesh and the devil are going to try to keep us from praying. So what can we do to help? How can we help combat this so that we actually do indeed pray? First, we need to trust ourselves and our days. By set aside, set aside, setting aside time, both in the morning and evening. It's not that you can't pray throughout the day. In fact, I would encourage you, a very good habit is to pray to God throughout the day about what you're doing. It's a wonderful way to be cognizant, to be aware of the fact that God is with you, and that all that you do is working before God in faith. So you're living out your vocations in faith before Him. So that's good. But it's good to set aside time for prayer. It's good to set specific times that you're actually going to do it. Because that will help you be in the habit of receiving God's word and responding to God in prayer. And so, for example, your hymnal has services, very brief prayer services, for every part of the day. That's all in your hymnal. You can pray the Lord's Prayer, obviously. You can pray the Psalms throughout the day. You can pray the prayers of the church, the various prayers in the hymnal, including, of course, the Great Litany, which is in there for you. You can also use a wonderful thing like the Lutheran Prayer Companion that has something like a thousand prayers in there for you. All of these are at your fingertips. You have Luther's prayers in the catechism. It's not that we have a lack of information or a lack of tools and resources. So we have a lack of will and desire. So setting a time that we actually must do it is a great help in this. Luther also encourages you as you read your Bible. As you read any part of Scripture, he says, you can pray for four different things. You can ask yourself, what is it instructing me? What is it teaching me? And then pray about that. Ask yourself, what should I give God thanksgiving for from this text? And then pray about that. What do I need to confess? How have I sinned in regards to what this text is saying? Then pray about that. And then finally, a general prayer at the end of your reading of the passage, bringing it all together. These are all things that you can do to assist, that will assist you in this fight, that will help you with your prayers, and that will help teach you how to pray. The rhythm of daily prayer is to really be a catechesis in God's words. You read God's word and then you respond in prayer. That's the intent. So that as we hear and confess his word, we are instructed in the way of faith and love by both law and gospel. And as you're taught to pray in this way, the Holy Spirit is actively working in and through you. You cannot separate the Word of God in prayer. Even when we don't read the Bible before praying, our prayers are still steeped in the Word of God. It's how we know to pray and what to pray for. To call upon the name of the Lord as Christians' daily sacrifice of thanksgiving, both in the morning and in the evening. With such prayers, we're humbling ourselves before God, asking Him for all that we need, and worshiping and adoring Him as the one and true and only God. So too, we pray for and intercede for His church and the whole world. As we saw last week, this is part of our priestly duty as priests of God. 
So there's four things we should always be praying for or praying about. You should always be praying about your sin, that is, confessing your sin. You should always be praying about God's gifts, that is, giving thanks to God for his gifts. You should always be praying about your needs. What is it you need this day? You should always be praying about your neighbor's needs as well. Part of that, too, praying for our own needs and our neighbor's needs, of course, at the core of that is the gospel and works of mercy. As we pray for others, especially as we pray for them to be saved, as we pray for what they need, God can open our eyes to see the opportunities we have to actually share the gospel or to do acts of mercy for them. And so, we are to be known as a praying church and a praying people. Herman Sosa put it this way, For the church of Christ is not a church that is always busy holding conferences, nor is she a church that does business with politicians and the press. She is the praying church. And this is her main calling. Either she is the praying church, as indeed she showed herself to be already in the catacombs, or she is nothing. Prayer is the mark of the Christian. It is the mark of the Christian church. We underestimate the importance and power of prayer. And we do so to our own peril. Consider in closing what Gerhard says about prayer. Probably my favorite quotes about prayer that you can find anywhere. Prayer is a salutary remedy in all difficulties of life. It is the key to heaven and the door to paradise. It shows us how submissive we are to God. It is a shield for our defense. It is a sword against the devil and a defense against misfortune. It sends demons running and brings angels close. It is refreshment in the heat of misfortune. It is medicine during illness. It upholds the world and rescues people. It is joy for the heart and jubilation for the minds. God knows all things. He knows all that you need. He knows what is best for you. He knows when it's best to give it to you. He knows exactly how to answer your prayer so that it's actually good for you and ultimately for your salvation. So that he will give you and those you pray for exactly what you need when you need it. Not a second before, and not too late. Because of what Christ has done for you, you have the wonderful gift of prayer. You are blessed. Do not be discouraged by your struggles with prayer, but keep praying. Take refuge in your God who hears your prayer because of Christ promises to give you whatever you ask in his holy name. Amen. Peace of God passes on our standing guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.